But are you ready to get into the Word? I just want you to know, I have spoke on many Zooms and many online services since COVID hit. But this is the first service that I have been able to come into live in a sanctuary since COVID hit. So you better get ready tonight because I'm ready to see the fire of God fall. I'm ready to see miracles tonight. I'm ready to see the supernatural. Are you ready for that? Because there's no COVID, there's no anything that can keep us from seeing the power of God enter into our lives and transform us in a moment, in a second. And so I hope you've got about five hours because I've got about six months worth of preach like built up inside. I told my husband tonight, I said, I don't know if I'll be sticking to these notes, so I hope you're ready. But I'm so fired up for what God's going to do. I just want you to know this message is so good that I don't even know if I can preach it tonight. (laughs) I just want you to know if you don't get with me tonight, after all that everything has caused us from being able to come into the sanctuary of God and to be able to worship together, to be able to sing together, to be able to have... communion together. If you don't get with me tonight, I don't even know if I will get through this message because I'm ready for you to preach with me tonight, to talk back to me, to get excited, to praise God with me tonight because I am a living, breathing, walking miracle. And if you don't believe in miracles, then we can't even have any conversations because see, let me tell you something. My God healed me of leukemia. I know what God can do. I know he is a loving father. I know he is a powerful, almighty God. And he is here tonight. You know, the name of this church is River of Life. And I don't think that's by chance because I believe that there is a stirring in the spirit tonight, that God is here and he is beginning to stir the waters of freedom in here. He's beginning to stir the waters of healing, of power, of freedom in this place tonight for you and your family and your children and your children's children. Are you ready to see curses broken tonight? See, I want us to get into this because I want to talk to you about God's supernatural wellspring. I'm all about the supernatural because living a life without God's supernatural is way too boring for me. I want to live every day getting up and expecting a miracle to take place. From the moment we drove onto this property tonight, from the moment we walked in here, there is something different in this house. There is a freedom that's here that you don't feel everywhere. And I began to get weepy in my spirit and it made me mad that I was sitting there and I was tearing up and, and all of these things, but it's the overwhelming presence of God that began to settle in this place as we lifted our voices and began to worship and began to praise. Miracle happens when he moves. Miracles happen. Healing happens when he moves. And there is healing that's going to take place in here tonight. But I'm here to speak to the ones who are stuck. See, our nation has been frozen in fear. Our churches have been frozen in fear. 
and we have hid in the corners and just watched the world go by and begin to let other people who do not have our same belief systems begin to dictate how we are supposed to live. And we have allowed our voices to become silent in a time where they should be the loudest. And it's time for a nation and a world to rise up, let our voices be heard because the healing waters that God has for us needs to pour over this nation and this world right now. This virus, all it takes is for God to open the floodgates of heaven and say, let me wipe it out right now for you. But the question I have for you tonight is do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be free? Or is it easier to lean on our circumstances as a crutch so that we don't have to step out and be bold as lions? See, God wants to do a miracle in your life. I'm here to speak to where you got stuck. We have to decide, do we want to be free or has that crutch become our security blanket and excuse for not stepping out of the hopelessness that we're in? I wanna ask you, how will you emerge from your quarantine? See, years from now, we're gonna ask our children what they remember about quarantine. And they're gonna look at us and say, it was the greatest moment of my life. I got to spend time with mom and dad that I never got before. I got to go for walks. We had family dinner together. We sat around the fire at night and we prayed together. We went for walks, we played ball. Dad was home, mom listened. Am I stepping on toes tonight? Because I'm talking to myself. See, it's so easy to get caught up in the busyness that we forget who God is. See, for us as adults, it's a, a tragedy, it's chaos, but for those that are coming up who are watching us turn back to what really matters, it's the greatest moment in time because they're seeing what really matters. See, I wanna speak to your drought and to your famine tonight into that moment where you got stuck and you didn't know where to go or where to turn. See, I wanna to talk to you from a book that I wrote, the first book that I ever wrote called Dehydrated, about how the issues in our life are not meant to kill us. They're meant to open up our eyes to see that we can draw near to God. That God didn't do it to us, but he can use it. And if we, it's how we look at the situation, I'm come to talk to those who are desperate for change, who have had enough of being sick, who's sick and tired of being sick. We are in a famine in our nation. There's a drought for living water. And the enemy's goal, number one goal, is to keep creation from experiencing the freedom that comes from drinking from the living well that God has for us. And how better to do that than to keep us isolated, away from the body of Christ, and quarantined wearing a mask where we can't even see the expression on another person's face that can say, I'm with you, I'm for you, we're in this together, you're worth it. 
See, Amos 11, my husband touched on it. The day is coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. Our nation is craving, crying out and groaning as in birth pains for someone to step forward and speak truth to them. To speak truth. See, a culture that is so messed up and to thinking that we have to be a certain way or we can't speak out about certain things or we'll be ridiculed for not being politically correct. I don't care about being politically correct. I want to be spiritually correct. See, sometimes we worry so much about stepping on people's toes when we need to care more about their souls and about telling them how they can get to heaven. My husband says it all the time, but during this season, the hipster theologians and the, the, uh, the celebrity Christianity, those people are silent right now. And it's time for the fathers and the mothers of the faith to step up and be moms and dads again to step forward and to tell truth. I love what Proverbs 25, six says. It says like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. See, we have a generation that's dehydrated, stuck in a dry desert, thirsty for living water, but settling for a mirage in the desert called self-satisfaction and self-preservation. See, it's all about surviving. God did not call you just to survive. He called you to thrive and to go above and beyond and have a life full and abundant life. He never said, I'm going to give you life to survive. He said, I'm going to give you life abundant so that you can overcome. Did you know that Jesus performed at least 37 miracles, known miracles, and nine of them had to do with water? So that's a fourth of all the miracles that Jesus did were tied to water. Jesus likes the water. He is the living water. And because Jesus is our river, John 7, 38 tells us, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within them. You will be overflowing. Jesus is also our well. John 4, 14 tells us, whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, I don't know about you, but during this dry desert season that we're in, where everyone is stuck, I want the river of God to flow through, to consume me, to overwhelm me, to cause me to go out into the deep end that I never would have gone before with him and say, God, I'm yours. Do with me what you want. See, he is also our pool of redemption. And some of you need to head to the pool today. And by the end of this, I hope that you find yourself swimming in the glory in the presence of God. See, I want to talk to you about a man at the pool. Can we go on a journey tonight? Can we go on a journey in John 5, 1 through 6? I want to read to you a scripture because I think it is fitting for this. It says, soon another feast came around and Jesus was back in Jerusalem. Near the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool in Hebrew called Bethesda with five alcoves. Hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed were in the, these alcoves. And one man had been an invalid there for 38 years. 
There's some of us who have sat in the same pew for 38 years. And God's waiting on you to step out and step forward. Because the healing that you're looking for is not found just sitting in a pew. But he had been crippled for 38 years, invalid. And when Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and knew how long he had been there, this is what he said to them. And I can relate to this question because God has asked me this question before. He simply said to him, do you want to get well? Doesn't that seem like an odd question? Of course the man wants to get well. He was sitting at the well for 38 years. But what we don't realize is sometimes we can sit so long in our pity, sit so long in our pain, sit so long in our chaos, that it becomes our identity and the fear of stepping out into freedom is stronger than our fear of staying the same. Because we have to cross this abyss called the unknown in order to get to our freedom. And God says, but you don't understand. I created the chasm between the two. And it's in the darkness sometimes that you learn to hear his voice. It's in the silence sometimes that you learn to seek him. But sometimes familiarity is so much easier. See, some, so many times we get to that point of the crossroads of pity and power. That place of pity or power. See, I hear Jesus declaring tonight to the church, do you want to get well? Do you want to be made whole? Can you imagine being so thirsty for your freedom when you're only steps away from the well of life, but you're willing to die in a pit called excuses? How many of us have been there? See, I'm calling you to action It seems, sometimes it seems like I'm so passionate, so intense, seems like I'm just a little bit excited, but it's because I see a nation that needs to be awakened. I see a church that needs to be wakened out of their slumber and out of their sleep. I see women who need to be awakened to the true power that God has placed inside you for your families. See, I see so much that I see that God wants to do, and I see people sleeping, and I just want to shake them and wake up and say, do you know what God has for you? Do you know the power that he has for you? See, I want to warn you, because if you miss your moment today, your grandchildren will someday miss the opportunity to brag about the freedom that you brought to your family for generations to come. See, I hear the sound of marching tonight. I hear the sound of a marching church. I hear the sound of marching women. And it's the sound of those that have waited on the sidelines, watching the church be distracted by the moral code of the world. All the while, the Savior is asking, do you want to be well? Then it's time to get to the well. Because all through the Bible, God speaks of the well. He speaks of water. He met the Samaritan woman at the well. Isaac redug the ancient wells. Joseph's brothers threw him into a pit that would become a living well when he went out and did what God had asked him to do. See, I see the longing in the eyes of a generation for hope and truth to be revealed to them. And the church that needs to be the reflection in their pupil 
when it's with its hand extended saying to a generation, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? See, I feel the tug of the Holy Spirit saying, quit making excuses and climb to your feet and lead a revolution for the world to be changed. Do you want to be well? See, today we're here to say hello to God and goodbye to the lies of the enemy. It's time to step up. See, John 5, 6 says it. When Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and knew how long he had sat there, he's saying to some of you who have sat in the same spot, in the same junk, in the same garbage, in the same hurt, in the same pain, he's saying tonight, do you want to be well? Do you want your freedom? See, he was only steps away from the water, steps away from his miracle, steps from his refreshing, steps from his healing, but it may as well have been miles because he chose to sit in the same spot for 38 years. But he had a mindset of blaming others who stood in the way of his miracle. We cannot get free when we're blaming others. It was everyone else's fault that he couldn't get to the water to be healed. It was great aunt Sally's fault for the things that she said or the school teacher who didn't give you a shot or the person who snuck into your bedroom or the person who hurt you or lied to you or told you that you weren't worthy. There's always going to be an excuse for why you can't get to the well. And he had a habit of blaming them. Your pain of your past and your present cannot keep you from the healing from your future. See, there's some here that, it, that God has had to wait until the, the excuses have run out so that he can give you what you dismissed as only a mirage of yesterday's hope. But then there's that moment, that day that superstition gets interrupted by the supernatural. See, that moment where everything we thought that was holding us back gets broken to pieces. That moment where we let go of the past, that moment where we let go of our fear, that moment that we let go of the hindrances that have so easily entangled us, and we step in and we reach out for the supernatural. The Bible says that Jesus went to Jerusalem and there was a festival there. How many of you know that Jesus loves to crash a party? That he loves to interrupt your normal. He loves to step in and say, I hate to bust the party, but do you want to get well? I hate to bust in on your pity party, but do you want some joy? I hate to bust in on your bitterness, but do you want to find peace? See, Jesus loves to crash a party. And he walks past the sheep gate. And that's so significant because the sheep gate was where the animals would be paraded through the streets on their way to die and be sacrificed. See, he was walking past the sheep gate to let us know, I am the ultimate lamb sent to the slaughter. He walked right past the sheep gate, but they didn't even notice that he had come by. And he walked past that gate. He heads up to the pool of Bethesda. And it had five porches where the sick were divided into groups. Doesn't that sound like America right now? They were divided 
in everything they did, they were divided. The sick, the lame, the, the ones that were broken, the ones that were divorced, the ones that were, that were just abandoned and forgotten. They were all separated. But can I tell you what Bethesda means? Bethesda means house of mercy or house of grace. This was the place where the wounded, the lame, the crippled, the deceased would camp out day after day. But see, the sick believed there was a superstition, and this is what gets interrupted because there was a superstition where the sick believed that periodically an angel would come and we begin to stir the water. And when the angel stirred the water, this was the, the rule that if the angel stirred the water, then the first one to get to the water would be the one that was healed. Is that messed up or what? Betty, I'd be pushing everybody out of the way. I'd be like, no, no, it's my turn. But see, that's what the superstition was, that only the one person, the first person who got to the water would be healed. And it amazes me that the place that was called the house of mercy and grace, but it all depended on works. It all depended on that you had to make it happen. Somehow you had to create it. But Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. But here was the deal. Grace means to empower. So we are empowered. Anytime you look through the Bible and you see the word grace, you can replace it with empower. Because it's an empowerment. And if you're at a place that's not empowering you, then you're not at a place where you can live by grace. Because with increased wickedness in the land also comes increased grace. In a day where the church has become a social experiment to establish relativism and culture versus the moral compass, we have to show the world what true grace is. Can I tell you what true grace is? Titus 2 tells us, because so many times across our world, across our nation, grace has been perverted. Grace has been distorted. Grace has been taught that it's, everything was covered so you can go out and do what you want. But that's not what grace is. It tells us right here in Titus 2, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So what it is is grace gives us the ability to say no, devil. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not opening that door to my family. I'm not going to open a window of perversion for my kids to suffer for the rest of their life. I'm not going to do it. No. It empowers me to not fall prey to the enemy. It empowers me to stand up when everybody else is sitting down. It empowers me to live a life of righteousness when the world tells me that I'm awkward and out of sync with the world. See, grace empowers, and the church must rise up and stand firm. Romans 5.20 says, all that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's a sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All it can do is threaten us with death. And that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end. See, can you see this? 
I want you to picture this because this was the first church of I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine no matter how many people I have to hurt. I'm going to get mine no matter who I have to step on. I'm going to get mine. You just watch. See, it created a very strange and awkward scenario around the pool. Can you imagine each day they stared at the water? Each day they watched the whirlpool. Days turned into weeks. Weeks turned into months. Months turned into years. And it went on an endless cycle of disappointment and despair because they started settling for isolation and pain as their identity. But the miraculous and supernatural will always be stifled when you settle for mediocrity. There's a moment where you have to rise up. These people knew each other. They were sitting around together. They knew each other's pain. They knew each other's story. They knew each other's families. They were a fraternity of people who were waiting for a miracle. But they had one thing on their mind. If that water begins to bubble, you better get out of my way so I can be blessed. See, that's not what the church was created to do. It was every man for himself. When the water started bubbling up, people started diving in. But can I tell you, church, when the church becomes more about helping others than ourselves, that's when we'll begin to see the miracles take place. That's why I love this story in Mark 2, 1 through 5. It says, remember these guys? These guys busted a hole through the roof in somebody's house. I would love to see the face of the person who owned the house. We're in the middle of a remodel right now, and I just that would just be my worst nightmare for someone to come in and bust a hole, but they didn't care. It wasn't about them. I love it because my husband always says, these guys must be rednecks. Because I can guarantee you they were a part of my family. (laughs) Because it would take a redneck to climb up on the roof and to bust a hole through it and say, hey, watch this. Hey, guess what? Hey, you see that over there? You want to go with me? See, it takes redneck to jump up on a roof and just say, let's cut a hole in the roof. I got an idea. Anytime somebody says, I got an idea, run. Because that's the family reunion where somebody's going to leave with blood on their t-shirt. But that's who these were. Sometimes you've got to get crazy enough to renew, remove the roof. Crazy enough to offend the religious and the self-righteous crazy enough. Don't let fear of man's opinion make you a squatter in the land of settle and mediocrity. Fear is the quicksand, and I'm still in this for my husband, so don't say anything, Pat. Fear is the quicksand of the runner and the pit that cages the lions. We've got to rise up as lionesses, as lions to roar once again, because see, Bethesda pool was every man for himself. I can imagine there was hair pulling. I can imagine that there was people knocking other people's walker over, kicking people out of their wheelchair, just trying to get to the the pool as it began to do. It was mass hysteria. They were either the lethargic or alive. It just depended on whether the water was being moved. See, but Jesus, they didn't realize that Jesus was at the pool because he's our well our wellspring of life. He's the river that flows from God. He's the flood of love and compassion. He was all three. And they had missed who had walked in. I wonder how often we miss when God walks in. 
See, I wonder how often in our services, but we have never included him. So many times we miss that he's right here in the midst of us, but we didn't include him in the order of our service. God's saying, are you ready to be well? Are you ready to be healed? Hold on, I got to get one more song in. Hold on, I got to do one more point. Hold on. You know what? After the the, uh, graduation ceremony, See, how many times have we not included him for a miracle service to break out? See, how many times have we not noticed when he was ready to move? These people were waiting on mercy and grace, but no one noticed that mercy and grace had just walked in. He was the lamb led to the slaughter. See, they were so busy getting stirred up that they missed the one whom out of his belly flows the river of life. They were so desperate to be healed that they ignored the healer. See, Jesus' calling card is Matthew eleven twenty eight that says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He didn't call us to, to have such strife. They were steps away from an encounter, but they were consumed with their issues. And you know what? They probably thought Jesus was just the pool boy. See, he walks by them. They probably thought he was the pool boy, but I want to tell you, Jesus is not your pool boy. He's the one who calms the storm. He's not there to measure your algae. He's there to take your spiritual temperature. You know what? He isn't there to check your chlorine, but to clean a bacteria called sin, to clean out lethargy, to clean out complacency, to clean out the silence that has taken over the church, to clean out the settling spirit that we say, well, this is just the way it's going to be right now. This is just what we have to settle for. No, God's called you for more. He's called you for more because there's about to be an altar call at the city pool. See, this man was about to experience a powerful altar call. And see, He had waited so long. He was waiting on something that had already been given to him. It was already his. He was dying of thirst and dehydration while staring at the pool of refreshing and freedom. See, there's only one place that can change you, and that's the altar. There's only one place that can change your world, strengthen that which remains, renew your mind and transform your heart. It's the place of encounter. It's the altar. It's the place where what you have been gets interrupted by who you can become. It's the altar. Anywhere that Jesus shows up is now an altar call. That place of transformation, that place of freedom. You can have an altar call at work, at school, in your bedroom, in the gym, at the grocery store. See, one thing COVID has taught us, I don't have to be in a specific place to encounter God. One thing COVID has taught us is that Jesus can come in and inhabit my home. Till he can take over. He can take precedence in my home. We can have an altar call in my daughter's bedroom, in my car. When I'm ordering Instacart to deliver my groceries, I can minister to the person who drops them off. There can be an altar call everywhere you step your foot. See, I'll never forget one day when I was sitting in my car about 19 years ago. And I was longing for another child. Many of you have met my beautiful daughter, Abby. She's 17. She's never allowed to date. COVID, thank you for that. But I'll never forget because I was longing to have another child and wasn't able to have another child. 
and Pat was out of town ministering, and I dropped my son, who was only about seven or eight, I think at the time, dropped him off at school, and I started driving home, and I was at a place of discouragement and despair, and I was losing hope. And I began to cry out, and I found myself weeping in the garage as I pulled in, and I said, God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you forgotten me? And I remember God giving me a vision of sitting in the middle of the ocean in a ship, and my ship began to sink. And he said, Karen, if you were in the ocean and your ship was sinking, what would keep you alive? And I said, God, I don't know. That's how much I'm drowning at this moment. And I remembered at that moment, okay, God, if my son was on the ship with me, I'd stay alive to keep him alive. And he said, exactly, Karen. In your despair, rescue someone else. And in that moment, I saw the map of China, and I heard the father say, your daughter is right there. Go get her. And 17 years ago, she rescued me. And now at 17 years old, she's building a house for girls who have aged out of the orphanage and have nowhere to go in Moldova. She made her first house that she's ever going to build to be to rescue other people. And back at our table, if you purchase anything, any of the specials, every dime, 100% goes to build that orphanage for those young girls who would be sold into sex trafficking otherwise. So in your despair, rescue someone else. I love what Psalm 36 says. It says, God's love is meteoric, his loyalty astronomic, his purpose titanic, his verdicts oceanic, yet in his largeness nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. He's always ready to rescue. Always ready to rescue you. We're called to be atmosphere changers and glory propagators. We're called to be mobile upper rooms, hope dealers. When humanity meets divinity, that's an altar call. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says the kingdom of God is not about words, but of power, demonstration. And Jesus proves it in this story. When he looks at the man and he says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? See, it's time that we have to get back to the encounter with the, with, it's time for the wounded, the lost soul to encounter a radical church that's on fire, a bride with no agenda except to populate heaven and depopulate hell. See, here's what happened. Jesus walks up to a guy who was lame, who had been sitting at the same church seat for 38 years. This was the first church of maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I'll get healed. Maybe tomorrow I'll get free. Maybe tomorrow my marriage will be restored. Maybe tomorrow my kids will come back. Maybe tomorrow this, or maybe tomorrow my finances will be restored. See, the Bible, the number 38 in the Bible is this. It means authority, work, slavery, labor. For 38 years, this man had been a slave to his pain. For 38 years, this man had worked for something that was already given to him. For 38 years, this man labored and toiled to get to a place to jump in a pool first against all the hundreds of other people. He was enslaved to bondage of his fear and his pain. Have you ever felt like your destiny was on hold? Have you ever felt like just giving up and that you had no purpose? 
Can I tell you that delay is not denial? To hold on that help is coming? That God wants to heal you? See, I want to ask you, do you want to be healed or not? God is asking us that. He asked me that when I got leukemia. But can I tell you an even further miracle in my healing of leukemia? One day, I go every six months for follow-up blood work. Every six months, even since the healing, because my doctor is so blown away. He can't explain it. He's keeping a journal of it. He's presenting it to the board of uh, oncologists because he cannot explain the miracle that God did. So every six months, he has me come back. So I went just a couple of weeks ago for my six-month follow-up. And can I tell you that even though God healed me of cancer, the very rarest mutated cancer cell gene that causes that type of leukemia remained in my bloodstream, which is another thing that just baffled him because I should have been getting bone marrow transplants with that gene. And I went for my blood work, and that blood work takes several weeks to come back. So he told me immediately that I was cancer-free, everything's fine. He said, I'll call you with the gene uh, blood work when it comes in, you know, or have you come in. He said, but, you know, it's been there the whole time. I'm assuming it's just going to be there. It doesn't go away. So a couple of weeks later, it's in the evening. We're getting ready for dinner. It's after office hours. It's all, I get a phone call and I didn't recognize the number and I picked it up and I answered it and he said, Karen, this is Dr. Furstenberg, your oncologist. And I went, okay, <laughs> because he was calling me at home in the evening. And he said, I just wanted to be the one to personally call you. He said, because I got your blood work today for the cancer gene that's in your blood. And he said, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to explain it, but you don't even have the same blood as when you came in to see me on the first time. He said, it's gone. The gene is gone. It doesn't even exist in your blood. Don't tell me my God doesn't heal. Don't tell me we don't serve a supernatural God. Don't tell me that he leaves anything unfinished. He is a supernatural God, a God of completion. But the reason I tell you that is every time I went for my blood work, I would say to God, I know you healed me of cancer, but as long as that gene's there, it's like a shadow haunting me. It's like a shadow following me around saying, I'm going to jump back on you. It's like a shadow that hovers over me, taunting me and mocking me all the while, saying, yeah, God healed you, but I'm right here to come back at any time. And I prayed that before I went into my blood work. And I felt like I heard Jesus say, okay, let me take care of that for you. And God says, because I finish what I start. I finish what I start. I don't want you taunted because I called you to be an overcomer. See, Paul said, forgetting what is behind me. Don't hold on to the fear. Don't hold on to the the junk. Don't hold on to the bitterness or the, the anger. See, you will never get free as long as you're blaming the ones who have gotten in your way. Blaming the things. See, settling is a repercussion of allowing the voice of victory that once rang loud to become an echo of what could have been. See, most of our lives, we allow those shadows to taunt us. But God says, do you want to get free? It's time to lay down what has held us back. 
Hebrews 12:1 says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Dare we sit licking our wounds of yesterday's failures while the enemy plots out tomorrow's tragedies? See, it reminds me that God wants to complete everything in our lives. He wants our families to be whole. He wants our marriages to be whole. He wants it all to be whole. He doesn't want there to be any stone left unturned. He doesn't want one family member to be left unsaved. He doesn't want one health issue to remain in your body. He doesn't want one bill to go unpaid. My God is not a debtor to anyone. See, don't be willing to settle for second best in a life of mediocrity and slavery when greatness and fulfillment are just footsteps away. Fear stands between you and the promises of God. Don't be willing to go back to a place of slavery rather than step out against the fear of freedom. Step out. What is standing between you and the promises of God? that he has given you? Why are you settling for just okay and it's a fine mentality? God didn't call you to say it's fine, it's okay. It's not okay. We were created to thrive, not to just survive. See, in the middle of your journey, you may have to go through some darkness and your natural instinct will be to turn around and run back to what is familiar. But you have to keep going in the midst of it to go on the other side to a brighter future for not only you, for your children and generations to come. It's not just about you. See, less than is not God's plan. It's better. Sometimes I think we say, well, it's better than nothing. No, it's not. God didn't call us to say it's okay. Look at Ephesians 3.20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinity more, infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. See, I love what Pat always says, my husband. He says, man will always call, throw you a rope called settle to keep you from going into the depths of God's love. I love my daughter's favorite quote, the greater the storm, the brighter the rainbow. See, there comes a moment when your faith invites God into your issue and he's forced to respond to your obedience. What has held you back and kept you from walking out your destiny must be put aside. Jesus is at the door knocking. Revelation 3.19 says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He was standing outside the church. So many people think he was standing out the outside the unbeliever's house. No, he was standing outside the church. He was locked out of the church that he was supposed to be most revered in. And now the church has learned what it's like to be locked outside of the church. And God is saying, come back to me. Rise up. Everyone stand with me, please. 
See, it's time to walk it off. You know, how many of you have kids and your kids have been in sports and they get hurt and mom and dad's on the sidelines going, get up, come on, walk it off, walk it off, shake it off. Because if they lay there too long, they'll give up. If they lay there too long, they'll get stiff. Their bones will freeze up. Get up, walk it off, walk it off. You know, I love the commercial that says, a a body in motion stays in motion. A body at rest stays at rest. What can I tell you? A spirit in motion stays in motion. A spirit that's pursuing God remains in motion towards the Father. See, here comes a powerful moment because John 5, 8 through 9 says, Jesus looked at the man, and I love this, and he simply said to him, get up. This man had been laying there for 38 years. Somebody had to carry him to the pool. Somebody had to lay him there. Somebody had to come back and get him and carry him back to his house. 38 years. And Jesus has the nerve to walk up and say, hey, get up. Get up. You're stronger. You saw the video. You're stronger than you think. You're more powerful than you think. I've already given you everything you need to get up. Why are you sitting there? He said, get up, take your bedroll, take the thing that has held you down and carry it out. Start walking. And the man was healed on the spot. Now I didn't say he went to a certain area and in that moment someone, a whole team of people laid hands on him and then he was healed. Said Jesus said, get up and just take the first step. Get up and just act out of obedience. See, some of you, you've been crippled by fear. You've been crippled by a virus that has swept across our nation. And I get it. I understand. You want to believe it. You want to have that social distance. You want to be safe. I get it. But sometimes we've been locked out of the church. Sometimes right here, this is a church that believes in the altar. And I believe that God is stirring the waters right here. I believe that the brook is beginning to bubble in the spirit realm, that the breath of God is beginning to flow, that God's presence has been here with us the whole time and he's walking by. And I believe that there's been certain ones of you who have heard the whisper that Jesus said, do you wanna be well? He said, do you wanna be free? Are you sick of being in the same junk every single day? And he's stirring the waters and he's saying, you don't have to wait on someone to pick you up and put you in the water. You don't have to wait for a priest to say a prayer on your behalf. You don't have to wait for someone to say, it's okay, I give you permission to get healed. You don't have to wait. You can just take a step and say, I receive my healing today. I receive my freedom today. So I wanna ask you today, do you wanna be well? If you wanna be well today, I want you to do something. I want you to get up. And I want you to start walking. I want you to step out of your seats. 
I don't want you to worry about what anybody else is thinking. And I want you to step out and I want you to step forward into the the water that the Holy Spirit is moving. Step out into your freedom. Some of you have dreams that have died. Some of you have family members that have walked away. Some of you have health issues that you've been longing for for years to receive healing from. Some of you have marriage issues that you think only God can intervene. Some of you don't know how you're going to pay your mortgage because COVID took your job away. And God's saying, get up. Don't lay there in your pity. Don't lay there in your pain. Don't lay there in your circumstance. Get up and take that thing that has held you down and walk it off. See, some of you have been a slave to your circumstances. Some of you have held on to pain for so many years since you were a little child. And you need to forgive so that you can lay down your excuses and pick up your healing. See, we've learned that if the dream was easily obtained by us, then it would have never, we never would have learned the power of activating our faith. And suddenly the Pharisees, for all of you who just walked forward, suddenly the Pharisees see the man carrying his mat on the Sabbath. And they get angry. Because get ready, because when you get free, the religious will always get mad. Because your freedom makes them choose their own chaos or freedom in their own lives. Your freedom forces them to make a decision. The Bible said that they got mad when he picked up his mat and walked. And Jesus found him in a church and reminded him to stop sinning. It says that Jesus said, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told them that it was Jesus who had made him well. See, I want to come and tell you that this is your moment. This is your now. The water has been stirred, and it's time to get in the river of God tonight. Do you want to be well? Are you stuck blaming everyone else for what has gone wrong in your life? Waiting for the waters to be stirred. Living water is here tonight. You don't have to get permission. God has already granted you permission. He's already granted you your healing. He's already said you can be made well. He's already said, I see you and I'm calling you forward. And he wants to know, can I trust you with a testimony? See, he had given the man a testimony and basically what he was saying is, can I trust you with this testimony? It's time to carry what has been carrying you. Every eye closed. See, there's some of you in here during this season of isolation and the time of silence. You've stopped depending on God and you've started depending on yourself. In a time where we can't come together as we would like and have the community that we like, we've gotten discouraged and entered into despair and we start thinking that we have to make things happen. We have to do it on our own and we've lost sight of who God is. Or maybe you've never 
met the man at the pool. Maybe you've never met the one who can heal you in an instant, who can refresh you in an instant, who can save your life and put you on a fresh road to victory in an instant. And with every eye closed, if you're here tonight, if you just happen to come in tonight because you missed community, or maybe you just missed being able to see a welcoming face, maybe you came in here tonight, maybe you're watching online and you're saying, there's a moment where I forgot who God was. And you're saying, Jesus, I receive who you are. If you're here tonight, or watching online and you say, I want to know him the way you're talking about. I want to know him as my savior. I want to know him as the one who redeemed me. I want to know him as the one who can turn my life around. I want to know him as the one that can restore hope and freedom and life and purpose back into my life. Then I want you to raise your hand right now. Just lift it up right now. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is a party going on in heaven right now for you. There is a celebration that's going on for you tonight. There is a party that's saying one person coming home, another person coming home. God celebrates your decision tonight. And right now, with the hands that were lifted and the eyes closed, I want us to pray this prayer. If you're listening online and you raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer. If you're in your house, if you're in a car somewhere, it doesn't matter. I want you to pray, dear Jesus, thank you for seeing me, for walking past me, but seeing me. You saw me in my darkest. You see me in my pain. You see me in my despair. And I'm gonna get up tonight. I'm gonna take you by the hand. I'm gonna give my life to you. Restore my life tonight. Heal my life tonight. Make me new tonight. I trust you. I wanna live for you. Thank you, Jesus. I accept you into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. Lead me, guide me, hold my hand on this great adventure with you. Thank you, Jesus. We celebrate the lives that just came to you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But I wanna know in this room, there are those of you in here who need healing, that need your life to be healed, whether it's physical healing or mental healing, emotional healing, but you need healing and you've been suffering for a really long time. You've been coming in, going through the motions, doing the ritual, doing the process, just doing what you thought you had to do to survive. And God wants you to know tonight, life's not about just surviving. It's about overcoming. You're not a victim. You're an overcomer. You're not broken. You may have scars, but they're your testimony, not your crutch. 
See, God wants to take you from a place of being a victim to a place of being an overcomer and a thorn in the devil's side. And if you're in this place tonight and you need healing, doesn't matter what kind of healing it is. If you need healing, then I want you to say, God, I receive your healing. Lift your hands up right now all across this place if you need healing in your body and declare it. Say, God, I receive my healing. I receive my healing. No longer will I sit by the pool waiting for someone else to stir the waters, but I will get in and I will dive into the deep end with you and I will swim in the glory with you. I will go forth and I will be healed in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. See, I want to tell you that in Ezekiel 47, there was a river. We're told of a vision of a river flowing from the temple. And it was flowing... I read on and it was actually flowing from the into from the throne room into the Dead Sea. And the vision was shown. And the man in the vision, he said that it was shown to him and the water became ankle deep. And then it became knee deep. And then all of a sudden the water was waist deep. And then it was so deep that he could not sw- he could not stand in it. He had to swim in it. It was overpowering and overconsuming him. But what that scripture goes on to say is that the angel said, "Do you see what I'm doing? The river is flowing from the throne room into the Dead Sea, a place that is salty and nothing can grow. It's a place of death." But when the water, the living water hits it, everything becomes alive. Every type of fish will swim in this water. Every type of plant will begin to grow in this water. Every herb, everything will come back to life. And there are some of you who things have died in your life. Dreams have died. Hope has died. Healing seemed far out of your reach. There were moments where you lost hope and lost touch with where you thought you should be. And God says, there is a river flowing through here tonight. And when his water touches you, it's going to be like a wave that starts at one end and it begins to flow across. So a few minutes ago, I was standing over here and the Holy Spirit said, I'm about to send a wave from right where you just pointed. And I didn't know you were going to talk about the river of God. I had no idea. Here's what the Holy Spirit, and I wasn't going to even say anything, but the Lord just said, some of you are standing there saying, okay, God, and just like the man at the gate or at the pool, saying, okay, God, if if, if you can do it, But faith without works is dead. It's impossible to please God without faith. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, if they'll, not yet, wherever you're at in the room, there's a river that's been flowing through this place. There's a river that flows through this property underground. And God says he is activating the water right now. But I want to tell you, I was standing over there before you even said anything about Ezekiel and the river. I didn't know you were going to say that. I saw something. I saw like a wave pressed up against this and God. And it's, you ever seen like where a barge is about to break? And God says, I've been holding it back long enough. There's a move of God that's going to hit Jacksonville, North Carolina. And Tabula. Several months ago, I had a dream of an outbreak of God hitting an army or a military base. Didn't know what kind of base it was, whether it was Marines, Army, I don't know. 
but I saw the glory of the Lord flooding all over a base. And some of you in here are married and you stand on the wall with that spouse or you're in the military yourself, you're, you're a Marine yourself, whatever it may be. And God is saying, I am about to send a move of the Spirit to this base. And I'm not, listen, I will not say something is from the Lord unless it is because if you do and it's not, that's witchcraft. But there's two things that are going to happen tonight. There's going to be an outbreak of God that's going to flood through the walls. But it's going to flood into your homes tonight when you get home. And some of you are going to walk into your house and authority is going to be returned to your family. The minute you step through the door, there's going to be a quickening in the atmosphere in your children's bedrooms, in your bedroom, in your kitchen. Everywhere you walk, you're going to begin to feel the glory of God. But here's what he's saying to me. If they will take one step forward. I'm going to heal their hearts. I'm going to heal their bodies and I'm going to heal their spirit. And when you step forward, some of you are already doing it. Some of you are getting a step. Ready? Come on. Begin to step. Begin to step. Begin to step. There's that activated faith. And as you step forward, lift your hands and begin to cry out to God. The river is now being released in this house for you to begin to cry out to Him. For you to begin to cry out. Come on. Somebody say, I'm right here, Jesus. Somebody say, I haven't gone anywhere yet. Come on. Here he comes. Depression is being broken. Fear is being broken. Hurt is being broken. Disease is being broken in Jesus' name. God says, I have activated the river on this property. There's been a waiting, a long outpouring for this property. Long before this building was built, God was standing here saying, they will praise me here. He wouldn't let somebody else build here. Somebody else wanted to put an apartment complex here. God said, no! And right now with your hands raised, begin to pray in the Holy Ghost all over this room. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. He's about to release your tongue. You're about to get your prayer language back. Come on, begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. That's that river flowing out of your belly. That's, that's that river coming off of your tongue. He's about to restore your spirit, your soul. He is saying, I am fixing you on the inside. Come on, worship team. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. We're going to learn how to pray in the Holy Ghost again corporately. We've forgotten how to do that. How do you pray in the Holy Ghost? You just ask. What if you don't get it? So what? Can you go to heaven without it? Yes, but you needed to go to the grocery store. Pray in the Holy Ghost. It's your language between you and God. It's the river coming out. I'm telling you, I saw a river. Karen saw a river. There's a river. Father, heal hearts and bodies right now in Jesus' name. If you need healing, raise your hand and shake it in the air. Say, I need healing. I need, go ahead, baby. Go ahead, Karen. Pray for the healing. Father, we pray right now for supernatural healing to fall in this place. Father, we declare that every sickness, every ailment, every infirmity will be broken right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that right now everybody will come back into alignment with the way that you have created it to work, the way you have created it to operate. The blood disease will be healed. The spinal disease will be healed. The migraines will be healed. The veins.
hands, the toes. I've never said that before, but there's someone in here that has an issue with their toes. And God is saying, if you walk it out, God's going to heal you right now in Jesus' name. Father, we pray that heart disease will be healed. The cataracts will be removed. Father, we declare that right now arthritis has been overtaken and overcome and overpowered by the Spirit of God. We're declaring that we have been made whole. We want to be made well tonight. So yes, Father, when you ask, do you want to be well? We say yes, Lord. Make us whole. Make us well. Give us the strength. Give us the energy. Give us the purpose and the destiny that you've called us to walk in. Give us the the health that we need to follow through with it. We declare healing tonight in Jesus' name. No longer will minds be run by the enemy. No longer will the minds be a playground for the enemy to wreak havoc and destruction and despair and discouragement and depression. Depression will be broken tonight in Jesus' name. Healing of every neuron, every chemical imbalance will come back into order right now in Jesus' name. Father, we declare freedom and healing, and we praise you for the miracles that are going to take place tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.